Are you in a relationship and find that you make bad financial decisions all in the name of love? In this episode, Alfred Edmonds Jr., Senior Vice President of Black Enterprise and co-author of Loving in the Grown Zone, shares how we can make better decisions with love and money. Welcome to the Financial Fornicating with Madam Money podcast. I am Tara Jackson, aka Madam Money, and I am your host for another wonderful episode. And this episode is about love and money. So you know I'm kind of partial to love and money, you know, with the book Financial Fornication, you know. So I have the most awesome guests. Now, all of my guests are awesome, but this one, he is like a mentor, an unspoken mentor. So I know I put him on the spot and said, you're my mentor. And so now he's like, really? But I have uh, Alfred Edmonds Jr. He is the executive vice president of Black Enterprise and the author, the co-author of Grown Zone with his lovely wife, Zara. Alfred, thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Love and Money episode. It is my great pleasure to be on the show. It's an honor to be called a mentor by you. I always tell people that's something you let other people call you. <laughs> you don't say you're their mentor until they say that about you. Um, so absolutely, I appreciate it. And, and uh, you know, we have a long friendship and we both share a passion for helping people to make better decisions financially and in general, actually, because it ties to the quality of your whole life. So it's an honor to be on your show. Well, thank you so much. And I love the topic that we're talking about. And we're talking about buy money, get trouble, sell love, get screwed. So, you know, this is rated M for mature money makers only. Um, and we're going to talk about why we make some of the worst financial decisions when we're in relationships. And there's a reason behind that. And who else to have this conversation with than the co-author of Grown Zone? Because this is going to be a Grown Zone episode. So thank you, Alfred, for making this the Grown Zone episode. So before we, <laughs> before we get into it, Alfred, tell us a little bit about you. Well, um, people may know me from a variety of different platforms. Um, I'm a senior vice president and now executive editor at large at Black Enterprise, where I've been now in my, I'm in my 32nd year as a member of, the, of that company. Wow. And a senior executive. I spent 13 years as editor-in-chief of the magazine, became the first editor-in-chief of the website, first chief content officer, and for the last several years, executive editor-at-large, but have been a senior vice president for, well, more than 20 years. So a lot of people know me from Black Enterprise and our events. Um, I also um, have a syndicated radio feature for American Urban Radio Network's Money Matters. And as you know, we also launched a weekly podcast under the same brand, Money Matters Wealthy Thinking. You were my very, very first guest on the first show. Um, and uh, that's a weekly podcast also hosted at American Urban Radio Networks, AURN.com. And then, as you mentioned, for the last several years, um, officially in 2014, when my wife and I started our business, Grown Zone Relationship Education, but the concept of Grown Zone um, was birthed in actually November of 2012 with just a joint Twitter account that my wife and I uh, established together. Um, which is basically to help people make better decisions uh, in pursuit of sex, love, and relationships, but not from the standpoint of uh, I got to get a, a, a 
get married or I need to find a maid or I need to find a man or I need to, you know, get a date. Not, not the matchmaking thing, but to help people understand that there, that you need to make um, wise decisions to protect yourself, your life, your assets, your loved ones as you pursue what we all call love. And we'll get into it more deeply in the show, but we, it eventually grew into our book, Loving in the Grown Zone, which you've mentioned, um, which is doing still selling very, very well. Um, um, and then the ebook, which we'll talk about more on this show, um, Buy Love, Get Trouble, Sell Love, Get Screwed. And the subtitle is How Decisions You Make in Pursuit of Sex, Love, and Relationships Impact Your Career, Business, and Financial Success. Wow. And so our big thing is to say that there's more to your relationship decisions than lonely nights eating ice cream when, you know, he doesn't call or, you know, we, we, we have a very kind of, uh, we, we make it sound like it's kind of a harmless emotional game um, when, we, when we pursue these things, when they're real um, life and death um, consequences, financial consequences, career consequences, business consequences um, to the decisions we make um, when we choose to do the big four, expose yourself financially, cohabitate sexually and by a marriage, um, those four big choices will have huge impacts on your life. And so that's what we do with Grown Zone Relationship Education with my lovely wife, Zara Green. Yes, and she is absolutely love her. Love Zara. She was actually one of my um, panelists and speakers at one of my boss brunches. So she is fabulous. I can't wait for your new book. And I'm so happy that you all are having that conversation when we're talking about love and money because most people don't have that conversation. And it's important for us to understand how our decisions are altered when we're in relationship, whether we know it or not, whether it's subconscious or consciously. So that's what we wanna, that's what I wanna talk about today and get some of your tips or your, your ideas as to why we do some of the things that we do related to money when we're in relationship, which, which kind of leads me to my first questions. Like, so when we're in relationship, why do we make some of the worst financial decisions? I remember being in relationships and I'm spending all this money and you know going out to eat and buying gifts I you know and I was in the financial services industry I was a VP of you know a financial institution and I just remember making some of the worst financial decisions because I was so in love but why do we do that well you struck you strike at the heart of why I wrote the book buy love get trouble sell love get screwed and by the way the ebook is available for free for a limited time only um, right now at uh, grownzone.com forward slash buy love get trouble. Uh, once it's actually published, we'll be selling the physical copy of the book, but we're um, uh, made it available for free as a free download um, right now. But your, your story is my story. Um, I made some of the most horrible decisions, including uh, my second marriage um, and the, the financial decisions I made, the business decisions that I made. Um, that, that I justify by being lo in love and committed to this relationship um, is a big part of why I wrote um, By Love Get Trouble. In fact, I talk about some of that um, in the book. I'm very open and transparent about the, the, the cost that I paid for this idea that, you know, the, the romantic idea of anything for love. Uh, um, I've done research that shows that the average failed relationship costs each partner $100,000 each, even if wow. you don't get married. Um, we don't even want to get into the, the typical costs uh, if, if you're a high income or high earning individual. 
um, $100,000 each is just for the average person, um, not a celebrity or a corporate executive or athlete or a high er super high earner. And we see the headlines when people get high and high profile people get divorced. Mm -hmm. um, but, it, but those costs are paid by regular people every day as well. But to answer your question, the truth is we are taught that that's what you're supposed to do when you're in love. You're supposed to throw caution into the wind. You're supposed to follow your heart. And decisions that you would never, ever make under other circumstances, especially as a financial professional, especially as a, as a, a money expert, especially as, in my case, the editor-in-chief of a business financial magazine. You're, we've been taught since childhood, um, certainly girls have been taught that, and, and boys to a lesser degree, that when it comes to love, all bets are off. You just roll the dice, you take your chances, you risk everything, and there's a romanticism that's reinforced by movies and television and books and music and popular culture in general, and even the church mm. that says things you would not do under normal circumstances, things that you have been taught never to do, suddenly when it comes to love, all bets are off and you go for it. And um, that produces results for everything from identity theft to, um, you know, uh, motherless daughters and daddyless sons, you know, we talk about the epidemic mm -hmm. of, 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 of single parent households. Right. Um, you, you think of all the consequences when you're told, hey, go for it. And, and in our society, go for it could mean in a matter of hours. I mean, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest, I can think of at least one person. We met, you know, one day and went on a date and four hours later we were in, we were in bed, you know, because we taught. Hey, if you feel it, you're grown. You're, you're no, no. Let me let me specify. You're an adult, <laughs> right? <laughs> because the reason why we specify the between adult and grown is that a lot of things that you have a right to do as an adult are not grown, healthy things to do. Mm -hmm. So when I was operating in my adulthood, if I met someone and she was fine and she was sexy and and she wanted me and I wanted her, yes, I had the adult right. We both had the adult right to say, okay, let's go for it. Let's jump in bed. Let's become a couple, let, let me spend money flying you around, let me let you buy me expensive gifts. All of that stuff is justified and reinforced um, despite the very graphic consequences that we see around us every day is it's okay, it's love. And if it doesn't work out, well, you had to take your chances and the fact that you're playing Russian roulette um, with your body, with your money, with your physical safety in many cases, um, with, with your emotional stability, that's okay because that's what you're supposed to do. And Grown Zone is a, a campaign against that that mm -hmm. says, don't, we, we, we use the metaphor of learning how to drive. You're born with the capacity to drive a car, right? Mm -hmm. But you can't just put the baby behind the wheel <laughs> with no training, no lessons, no coaching, no practice, right. and put them out on the street um, and not expect you know, mayhem and death and mm -hmm. injury and all mm -hmm. kinds of problems. Well, but we teach each other and we teach our children that every day, that love, you're supposed to just naturally know how to do it. And the truth is you're born with the capacity to love. You're born with the desire to give and receive love. But that's not the same thing as being born knowing how to do it. So we, we came up with this concept of relationship education um, using driver's education as a metaphor. How do you come up with a decision-making framework? And then we offer training and coaching and remedial, often remedial <laughs> work mm -hmm. with people who have already done damage to say, okay, how can we change your decision-making framework, um, and, in, and in this case around money, so that things you wouldn't do for any other reason, you don't let love be a reason to do it.
That's awesome because, and you're absolutely right. We, we, we do have the capacity to do it. It's just like what I say all the time, you know, you know, credit is like sex just because you can doesn't mean you should. And if you do use protection, a budget. And so just because we have the capacity to, to do it doesn't necessarily mean we know how to do it. So that's an excellent, excellent point. Um, which leads me to my next question for you, and hopefully you can help me shed some light um, on this, that, you know, when we're in relationships and we're so in love, why do some people or sometimes we put our financial health and resources at risk? I mean, we literally put, you know, our retirement at risk. We put our credit at risk. Um, we put our savings at risk all in the name of love or in relationships. Well, a lot of it is rooted in um, what we were taught even as early as, you know, almost always as early as childhood. We, we get a definition of how the world is supposed to work. Sometimes it's an overt um, education from our parents and, and uh, you know, whatever religious institution we followed or whatever books we read. Sometimes it's just watching people around us and drawing some conclusions. Um, but we, 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 we're, what's happening is that we don't really learn in a very organized way when it comes to love. We're just taught it's supposed to happen. Um, mm -hmm. And as a result, you know, we, we look at, for example, marriage outcomes, and people will always point to that couple that met randomly, and it worked out, and they were soulmates, and it worked out forever. And I always say, yeah, that's the exception to the rule. If you played a lottery, yeah, somebody's going to hit the lottery. Right. The vast mm -hmm. majority of the people um, lose a lot. Then there's a bunch of people who lose a little. Um, but the person that really hits the jackpot is one in a billion if you do everything randomly. But we're taught from childhood that it's supposed to be lightning striking and fireworks go off and your heart starts beating fast. And the truth is, all of those things do happen. Um, we, we do a lot of work studying the physiology of love and how it evolves. Yes, when you first meet that person, you know, or, or you know, in the beginning, you do have those physiological responses. The challenge is getting people to not make permanent decisions based on those temporary responses. Mm -hmm. And often those responses go to money. Um, you know, if I'm in love and, and, we, and she says, I need you to um, pay my car note because they're about to repossess my car. And I've done this. And I'm saying, oh, this is my woman and I can't let anything happen to her. And so I wire the money right away without asking questions about, well, why are you, why is the car being repossessed? What are you doing to, how did you get yourself in this position? Because you think asking those questions is not romantic and somehow you're not coming through. So, so now if, 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 you're, if your relative, if your brother called you out of the blue and said, I need $4,000 to keep my car from being repossessed, you'd ask those questions even mm -hmm. though that's a person you've known all your life. Right. But again, we've been taught um, incorrectly or, for, or maybe more accurately, no one's ever taught us that love is not a reason to not make the same decision, use the same decision-making framework that we use, that you would use in any other way you would make a financial decision. And it, it, it takes time to overcome that programming because there's so much around us that reinforces it. I mean, we think it's the most romantic thing in the world, for example, if somebody you just started dating shows up at your job to surprise you to take you out to lunch. Except that's also stalker behavior. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, you know perspective. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like they don't, you, you didn't invite them. They don't know what kind of job you have. They don't know, you know, 
Uh, bet another example is, think of the, all the songs, and I'm a big believer in uh, love of um, R&B music and romantic music. Think of all the romantic songs that if you took the music away and just read the lyrics, sounds stalkerish. Oh, I know one that sounds stalkerish. What is it? Um, Every Move You Make, I'll Be Watching You. That is yes. the biggest stalker yes. song ever. Yes. <laughs> One of my favorites and a woman I was trying to date actually, you know, had to like wake me up. I sent her, you know, a recording of um, I'm going to make you love me. And we were just starting to see each other. And she was like, you're going to make me love you. You know how many, how many women have been killed by men that said, if I can't make you love you, if I can't have you, nobody can have you. Mm. You know, so there's these subtle messages that's been, you know, um, bred into our thinking about love and devotion and the way it's supposed to work that justifies, you know, often very, very horrible choices um, up and into and including, um, you know, murdering people, you know, mm -hmm. murder suicides. I mean, so, it, so our thing is we, we have to be more conscious of what love really is, by the way, you know, that's, that's a big part of what Grown Zone is about, right. even outside of the money and what it is not. And to recognize that many things that society calls love is not actually love. Um, and then when it comes to money, uh, we, we, we have a, a platform within Grown Zone called Grown Love and Money. And we identify things that you should and should not do related to your money when, you, when you're in love. And, and uh, the four things that we emphasize that people have to withhold for as long as possible when they get into a relationship, but we're taught to give up literally within hours is access to our money, access to our bodies, access to our homes, and access to our hearts, which is our emotional mm -hmm. security. But when we fall in love, what's the first thing we're told? I mean, yeah, you love her, wine and diner. You love him, pay that car note for him. Um, you know, um, yeah, let, her, let him come to your apartment. You know, um, you live alone and you don't really know this person. And so it all seems so innocent until everything goes wrong. And with, with money, whether it's romance scams, because there are people, both male and female, who literally make their living pretending they're in love with other people and using mm -hmm. that to con them out of their money. And it's international. If you've got those emails or those inboxes from Africa yep. or whatever that is so in love with you, I kind of get them daily. But yeah, and if you fall for it, and there's so many people, unfortunately, that are so lonely and desperate for love that they, they, you know, they fall victim to and some predators are looking for those people and those people self-identify. So those predators, they send out the message to a whole bunch of people knowing that 99% of them are going to let delete the email. Mm -hmm. But the one person that doesn't delete it is that person that has this emotional void that they're desperate to fill and are willing to do anything to hear somebody say they love them and they can't live without them. And, you know, so I mean, that's an extreme case. But the truth is, a lot of our work is, what is the emotional void you're trying to fill with the relationship? Because whatever that void is, that makes you vulnerable, and in this case, vulnerable to making poor financial decisions. And, and uh, you know, as we get into the course of the show, we identify several signs that you'll make poor financial decisions in relationships based on how you see yourself and how you view the world. Wow. So speaking of those things, because we talked about some of the 
um, most extreme cases, which, you know, and I, I do know of several cases where people have given hundreds of thousands of dollars to people in the name of love that they've never met in person before, only dealt with on the internet or phone or whatever. But, you know, um, uh, besides those type of people, what people are more likely to make poor financial decisions because of love? Well, first, let me, I want to kind of go through at least three signs that a person will make horrible financial decisions in re relationships based on three beliefs. And then I'll go into more of the kinds of people, at least that we end up encountering mm -hmm. um, in our work with Grown Zone Relationship Education. So people will make horrible financial decisions in relationship if they believe the following. One, if they are in love with love. Mm -hmm. Somebody that just feels like love, I just love love and I want to... That, that mindset is, is far more likely to make you think it's okay for me to, to do this, this thing that's really not a good thing to do because love is involved. So when people say they're in love, they're in love with love, they're very vulnerable to making poor financial decisions. Yeah. A second one, which is a big one, particularly with, uh, well, I said I don't want to, I'm very careful not to, to stereotype, but people who believe that loving people means you have to rescue them. Mm -hmm. and, and a common example, I won't say it's, a, I don't want to, it's, it's generally true, it's not absolutely true, is the successful career woman who has everything going for them and they almost feel almost a survivor's guilt. So they will latch on to someone that doesn't have everything going for them and feel like, well, I have it, I need to provide for this other person. And they end up taking on what we call in the grown zone adult dependence. Um, yes, I've seen that. But men, I, I, there's like two of my friends who have that savior complex. Um, well, that's why I have to say I, I don't believe in the gender thing because yeah. I'm, I was one of those people, you know, like you said, savior complex, Superman complex, they call it as well. Mm -hmm. So everything I'm about to say, it's not like women do it more than men or men do it more than women. I have a whole other philosophy about why I think relationship coaches and experts do a disservice when they do the whole women do this and men do that thing because I think mm -hmm. it's, it's totally not founded in any research or reality. They think there are things that are generally true, but not really useful information. So you're absolutely right. This is not just a woman thing. Men do it too. Mm -hmm. uh, a third one is you have a desperate need for others to believe that you're a caring person. Mm. And when you have that need, it's very easy for people to guilt you into doing things for them financially in the name of love. Because if you don't do it, it means you don't love me. And then if you're someone that needs people to see you as a loving, caring person, you will surrender to this kind of emotional black, blackmail and give the money or lend the money um, out of, because you think this, this is what you have to do to let people know that you are not a bad person. Wow. So if you, if you have a deep need to, to, for others to believe that you're a caring person, you are ripe for the pickings in terms of people knowing what to say to you to get you to give your know, financial favors and other favors. Wow. So a lot of our work is turning the mirror on to our clients and saying, what do you believe? Because what you believe is going to determine the decisions that you make in your relationships, including your financial decisions. We had a client, um, uh, very successful healthcare administrator, uh, six figure income, no children. And we, in our first consultation with her, we figured out in her last four relationships, um, in, in total, she had given away a, a total of um, $12,000, mm. but they were in the form of loans. So the person she was involved with would say, I just need your help. 
Um, if you could just loan me this money, I promise I'll pay it back. She loaned the money. And then when she start pressing to get paid back, the person would say, well, we're in a relationship. What kind of person are you that you would ask for the money back? And she would surrender and not ask for the money because even though up front, the person was very clear that they were seeing it as a loan. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the one time, so she got, she only got, she never got paid back except for by one person. One person ultimately paid her back, but her forcing him to pay her back caused the end of the relationship. He broke up with her in resentment. Because he had no intention of paying her back in the first place. No, you're absolutely right. So, so we, we had to work with her to say, what is it about, what is it about your belief system that makes you feel obligated because you're in a relationship with this person to loan them money? Well, there was all kinds of things about, you know, feeling that she had to stand by her man and, and we're a team and, and all of that is fine. I mean, just, again, if you're in a stable, healthy relationship, you know, being able to financially help each other out is good. Mm-hmm. But in these cases, these were people who were making her, her willingness to lend money a condition of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not love. It's not love, no. It's yeah, and, I, and, and whether I'm in a relationship or if it's a family member, friend, or whatever, I don't lend money. I just make it, <laughs> I don't lend money. Now, I will give money that I can afford to give. If I can't afford to give it to you, then I don't, I, I, I can't afford to lend it to you because that's one thing I'm not going to have come in, in between a relationship is the fact that you owe me money. Cause I've seen that go bad so many different times. And so many times when people ask me, you know, can I borrow money? If I don't want, don't expect to ever get it back and really can't afford to give it away. No, I don't have it to lend. Um, well, that's, a, that's an excellent policy. One of the things that we teach um, in grown zone and actually I've also um, taught this uh, on my black enterprise and, and money matters platforms too, because right, it's not just love interest. Often it's family members, uh, siblings, other people who will come to you to Children. borrow money. Children, mm-hmm. friends. Well, we say that if it's really a loan, have them sign a loan agreement. Right. Work out terms that says, this is what I borrowed. This is what I'm going to pay back. This is what I'm going to pay it back. And what happens mm-hmm. is 95% of the people will suddenly find another way to get this money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you're making it clear up front, I really do expect to be paid back. And then the balance who says, okay, I'll sign the agreement, one of two things are going to happen. Either they're going to pay you back, or if you decide, if they don't, and you decide to take them to task, you have legal documentation that said they promised they'd pay you back. Exactly. So, so but the, the key is to make sure that people understand that just because you have a relationship with them, whether it's a familial relationship, a sibling relationship, a friend relationship, or a romantic relationship, that if it's a loan, it's a loan. And you're absolutely right. If you can't afford to give it away, you shouldn't be loaning it. And even with the giving part, you shouldn't be other people's slush fund. You shouldn't right. be their ATM. Exactly. Uh, we do a whole chapter of the book on, on uh, Loving in the Grown Zone on recognizing adult dependence. Only minor children, if you have minor children, should expect you to support them financially. Beyond that, it's not, you're not obligated because you're in love to pay someone's car note or to pay their rent or to keep them from being evicted. You know, they're not financially, they're not really financially qualified to be in a relationship if they can't take care of themselves. True. That's true. So what type of people are more likely to make these poor financial decisions? I think they fall into a couple of categories. 
Um, even though, you know, again, I, I don't, I don't like being stereotypical, but right. you, you have in one um, example, women who are again, very, very successful either in business or in their careers, maybe they're high level corporate executives and they want to acquire a mate the way they acquired the home that they bought and the real estate that they bought. And the, you know, they have a go get them kind of attitude. And unfortunately in our society, since we equate love with possession, we also equate getting relationship with acquiring a person. We acquire things, but we can't acquire people. Mm-hmm. So this is the, you know, the woman, we talk about this example in our book, and we call it a makeover artist. They're like, I'm going to make me a mate. So I'm going to get a guy who's, you know, handsome and wants to be with me. And I'm going to dress him up. I'm going to give him credit cards. I'm going to put him in a car. I'm going to take him places. I'm going to invest in his potential. Potential is a big trap mm-hmm. <laughs> for, for people who blow their money in relationships. And, and I'm going to make this person, you know, the way I, I built my career and I built my finances. And those people almost always end up being disappointed because you can't give a person ambition. You can't provide, you know, goals and dreams for another human being. And most importantly, you can't treat human beings like property. Right. So, so, and, and again, and it also makes you vulnerable to predators because there are men, men and women who will look for people like that. It's like, Oh, they, they need to spend money. I'll let them spend money on me. Right. I'll tell them right. what they want to hear <laughs> to get them to think they're investing in my potential and, and, and give me a lifestyle. Right. So that's and one I, example. That's what I was going to point out is that, yeah, women do that, but men do that as well. You know, oh, they, absolutely. They, they want to do the makeover um, as well. Uh, so it, it goes on both sides and both men and women, you know, when they're trying to find that sugar daddy or that sugar mama, yeah, you can spend the money on me. Um, so, yeah, I can definitely see that. And then, you know, another example, um, which is a, kind of this, different side of the same coin is that many men, I would say most men, certainly in Western culture and Western society have been taught that a measure of their financial success is the ability to convince a woman to do what you want them to do. And that can range from, you know, physically forcing a woman to do it, which, you know, with sexual harassment or sexual assault, or from a financial standpoint, it could mean, listen, I took you out to dinner X number of times. I spent X amount of money. Therefore you must. Mm. And again, very unhealthy, very unhealthy financially, unhealthy for both parties. But again, it goes to this idea that, that love is a form of currency that can be convertible to the U S dollar. Wow. And you know, people, people get really get caught up and end up making horrible relationship decisions, including marriage that ends up being very costly to them on the back end. Because if the relationship is not set on a, fa- a solid foundation in the first place, and marriage is the house, it's not the foundation. Right. Marriage is what you built on the foundation. When that foundation crumbles, um, the house crumbles, there's going to be huge financial consequences. Huge Ranging from your typical alimony, child support, legal fees, uh, in many cases, the cost of therapy, which people don't take into consideration mm-hmm. because often that becomes necessary, the impact on children. Mm-hmm. There are huge financial consequences that often spring from, hey, it's love, just go for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? and as well as credit 
it will destroy your credit. It will take away your, your savings. It will take away your retirement. Um, so you're absolutely right. That is humongous financial consequences when you marry the wrong person because you think it's love or it's because it does not have the foundation, like you said. Or even if you practice financial intimacy with somebody you're not married to, which happens a lot. Yes, so we thank say you for bringing that up. In, if you're financially intimate, sexually intimate, cohabitation, and emotionally intimate with a person, you are in effect married to that person mm -hmm. without the benefit of a wedding because now you have tied yourself, you've bonded in those mm -hmm. four key ways to another human being and the results of that bond being unhealthy or, or not sustainable will have the same cost, if not worse costs, than a divorce. Mm -hmm. Because if you're, if you're, for example, co-signed on a, an apartment lease or you co-signed on a car with a love interest and that person doesn't make the payments, the financial consequences are going to be the same as if you were married. All you got to do is watch your typical court shows like Judge Judy and those shows. Mm -hmm. And a significant number of those cases are people who were never married, but they're financially intimate. Right. Meaning you've, you've made decisions that financially bond you, whether it's co-signing, uh, whether it's uh, loaning money, you, getting a joint bank account, making them an authorized user on your credit card. Mm -hmm. All things we do when we're in a relationship and we say that's our boo and it's okay. You know? And then the, then the consequences of that come back to haunt you. Absolutely. The, the other thing I want to make sure that I uh, at least mention on, on the show, we do a whole bunch of counseling around three topics, financial infidelity, mm -hmm. financial abuse, and uh, financial deception. Wow. Um, and I'm going to focus on financial abuse and give you a statistics. 98% of intimate partner abuse or domestic violence um, also includes some aspect of financial violence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Financial Absolutely. violence is when somebody says, I'm mad at you, so I'm going to take your credit card and max it out. Mm -hmm. Or I'm going, to, I'm going to make sure you don't make it to work. Or I'm going, to, I'm going to make sure you get fired from your job. Anything that is designed to use money and the ability to earn money um, to control, manipulate, hurt, damage mm -hmm. another person is another form of domestic or partner violence, and they call it financial violence or financial abuse. And, yes. and often people don't realize that's being practiced um, on them because mm -hmm. it doesn't always come with a black eye or a, you know, a, a, a physical or verbal attack. But mm -hmm. there are people who are financially violent and they use that financial violence to control and, and dominate other people. Absolutely. In the name and, of love. Yep, absolutely. And I talk about that. Well, I, I talk about it in a different way in my book, Financial Fornication, um, financially abusive relationships that we have with financial institutions, but we have financially abusive relationships in abusive relationships. So if you have a, a, a man that's abusing his wife, one of the ways that he will try to control her to make sure that she stays is to remove all access to any form of cash. So yes. she's not working. She has kids. She has no place to go. She has no family. She has no money. She has no access to money. She has no access to credit. So she's feeling like, well, I can't leave because I don't have any money to go anywhere. Um, so that is, is really big when we're talking about that. And a lot of people don't really think about that is that financially abusive relationships with a mate is real. Um, well, and, and let's go back to how romantic that sounds on the front end. When a, when a man says to a woman, I love you. I don't want you to have to worry for anything. You don't have to work if you don't want to. I'll take care of everything. I was raised that the man is supposed to take care of everything. And d depending on 
your, your goals and dreams and what you've been taught as a woman, especially in church, you think, oh, my Prince Charming has arrived. Mm-hmm. I don't have to work. He's going to take care of me. I want him. To, I, I found a man who loves me. who will take care of me. Mm-hmm. And that often turns into just what you described. You now surrender your well-being, including financially, to another human being who may not deserve it. And they do have control over you. When they start telling you not, when it goes from you don't have to work to you can't work. You're not going to work. Exactly. You're not going to work. You can't take that job. Um, I, I have a person who, who was a, a client briefly. And again, this goes to how it has consequences for your business, and for your career. A person um, who is a personal financial advisor, you know, with, with you know, private clients. Mm-hmm. And excellent at what she does. I mean, excellent. In fact, if I told you her name, you'd know her. Her business, until she finally divorced this person, could not grow because he wouldn't let her go but so far away from their home office to build business. Wow. Because he couldn't trust her traveling. So he would, he would basically bully her into turning down business because if it required her to go a certain distance away from where they lived, he didn't trust her. Wow. So her business like quadrupled as soon as they divorced because mm-hmm. suddenly clients that she was saying no to because she was like, I can't come to you and I can't do this and I can't do that. And of course, she couldn't be honest about why she couldn't do it. She, right. That's the other thing. The psychological pressure of trying to maintain this business while not letting people know that she was being physically abused at home. Because wow. there's this pressure to, if you're a successful person, there's a pressure to maintain a certain facade. Um, one, because of your own self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And two, she couldn't afford to lose clients who are like, if and you can't handle your stuff at home, exactly. how are you going to handle my, my, my situation? My account, exactly. Exactly. So she was operating under tremendous pressure for years. I mean, like over a decade before she, and it was only because of her daughter that her daughter went off to college and her daughter was afraid to go away to school because she was afraid what might happen to her mother if she wasn't in the house. Mm. And that was the wake-up call. And, and so it's important to understand that a lot of the people that need this help with relationship education are, not, are, are, are wealthy, successful people, but, be, but because they're successful and wealthy and high profile, they feel like either they can't get help or if they get help, people will know and it will hurt them materially in terms of their brands, their businesses, their client base, their careers, et cetera. And people who, you know, someone who's um, trying to control you, they know that. Right. And so like, what like, I, no, you don't want me to act out at the conference. You don't want me to act out at the party. Wow. You don't want me to call your boss. You don't want me, you know, um, and, 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 and these are some things I've personally experienced, mm-hmm. you know, where, uh, you know, where I had a fear that if I really took a real stand, what is this person going to say and do that's going to re- uh, reflect on me professionally? Absolutely. So one of the things that I really want to point out while we're having this conversation for anyone that's listening is that um, I, I've dealt with, um, some of my clients that were in abusive relationships, which turned to financially abusive relationships. And we, we had what's what I call an exit strategy um, for that. So we can establish financial resources for the person to get out of the physical, emotional um, abuse, abusive relationship that they were in. But what I need people to understand is whether you work with me, whether you work with um, the grown zone is that this is all confidential. Um, and you can seek help without it being spread around. There's a lot of people that are suffering in silence. You can actually get private help, private consultation, especially with, with Alfred and Zara, um, if you're dealing with this. So 
if you feel like you're in that situation, whether you are highly educated, you're highly achieving professional, you're an entrepreneur, whatever it is, if you feel like you need the help, I encourage you to reach out to Zara and Alfred to begin that process because their process is very, very confidential. No one needs to know that you're getting the help if that is your concern and they can help you with the strategies to, to get you where you need to, to be within that. In so, fact, not only no one needs to know, no one can do. Our, our business, our core business, like people know us for the books and we do workshops and we travel, but our core business is never advertised mm -hmm. because people can't know I mean, people know we do it. They know we have coaching and, and these other services because it's on our website. Mm -hmm. But we can't really advertise because people can't know who we do it for. Right. So, it, like, so all of our business comes from referral, personal referrals, word of mouth. Someone saying, just like you said, listen, you need to talk to Alfred. You need to talk to Zara. Mm -hmm. They will help you work through this. Um, and no one, no one will ever know. So no one will ever hear the name of any of our clients unless they tell. If they tell somebody, we have no control over that. Right. Um, but no one, no one was, no one's ever going to know because without that confidentiality, we don't have a business. Right. I mean, these are people that can't, that no one can ever know. And also, there's also often legal consequences to anybody knowing because, mm -hmm. you know, their partner and spouse can sue for all kinds of things if they think that they're being slandered or libeled in any kind of public way mm -hmm. based on how their relationship went. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's an interesting business because we can't, in a way, we can't really advertise it. We don't, mm -hmm. we don't go around telling people, hey, are you getting abused in your relationship? Come talk to us. Are you getting scammed? Come right. talk to us. Right. Um, but more importantly, and, and this is why I respect what you do and, and, and what a bunch of other people do, our sweet spot is what do we do either to prevent you from getting that kind of relationship in the first place, or if you're coming out of it, to prevent you from getting into it again. Because anybody who's worked in this space, and we're talking about financial abuse, but it, but it, but it could be all kinds of, of abusive and unsafe situations. If you don't get to the core of why you got into that relationship in the first place, the beliefs that you carried, the decisions that you made, you will just end up repeating the same cycle over and over and over exactly. again. Exactly. You'll get into so a relationship. So the grown zone the is not focused so much on just getting people out of, of bad situations, even though we have done that. The core of our business is to provide you with a decision-making framework so that when you see yourself going in that direction again, you're like, nope, I know that this is one of the things I don't do anymore because I know what it leads to. Mm. And, and that's what Loving in the Grown Zone is a book is about. And that's what um, Buy Love Get Trouble, particularly with focuses on career and business and finance. It really is about having a set of decision-making frameworks that may challenge the things you've been taught growing up um, that says, no, I'm going to do it in this way so I don't end up putting my money, my body, my heart, and my home at unnecessary risk. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. If those four things are kept safe, there's not real damage that you can make. In a port, you know, you, you can you can then be more free to date, more free to get to know people. Because as long as those four things are safe, if things go totally left, I mean, there may be some hurt feelings and there may be some sadness, but you won't look out and realize that your credit is destroyed, or you lost your house, or you got fired from your job, or 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 you 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 uh, suffered physical abuse, or because you can you can protect those things that bind you to other people until you really know who this person is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so for those of you that are listening and you need some place to go, I am your personal, I am giving you a personal referral to Alfred and Zara. 
Um, and so let them, let everybody know how they can get in contact with you. How can they purchase the book Grown Zone? Um, how can they be a part of your community? And you mentioned that you can get the, your new book, um, Buy Love, Get Trouble, um, on your website right now for free until it's published. So let us know how we can get in contact with you. Well, you can follow Grown Zone across any social media platform. That's Grown, G-R-O-W-N, Zone, Z-O-N-E. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Uh, we have both a business page on Facebook. We also have a private group that you can um, ask to join. Um, and, and that's where we do a lot of our conversation and teaching in the private group. So that's, that's, that's social media-wise. You can get to us um, anywhere. Um, the website is grownzone.com where you see a lot of additional content as well as information about um, some of the basic coaching services that we offer. Um, it, to get the book Loving in the Grown Zone, you actually can go to, it's available on Amazon and any other you know, major bookseller, but if you go to lovingintheGrownZone.com, uh, it provides links to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Balboa Press, where the, our publisher for the book. Um, and then to get the free ebook, um, Buy Love, Get Trouble, Sell Love, Get Screwed, just go to GrownZone.com, forward slash buy love get trouble and it'll be available probably until the end of this year the goal is to probably you know publish a print version in 2019 i'm going to be adding some additional content that, that doesn't exist in the current version of the book uh, but for now it's, it's available for free and uh, as a free download and you definitely want to check it out especially if you are a high earning or high potential professional entrepreneur or an executive because you have a lot to protect Yes. And our goal is to help you protect what you have and, and also protect your capacity to earn even more. Um, and so many people sabotage their ability to reach their full earning potential because of relationship decisions that they made that uh, eliminates options for them in many cases mm -hmm. in terms of things that they can do or they feel comfortable doing. Wow. So, Alfred, thank you so much for sharing those tips about love and money, which is very important, and ways that we can protect our assets and our heart and our bank account um, and our homes within that. I so appreciate you sharing the information and being a resource to all of the listeners out there. Because like you said, just because we have the capacity to love doesn't mean we know how to do it the right way. So thank you and Zara for being that resource to teach us how to do it the right way so that we can protect our money. Um, thank you, Alfred, so much. It's such a great pleasure um, by my behalf as well as Zara's. Thank you for always being a great partner to us. Um, we enjoy working with you. We enjoy serving with you and uh, you, do, you do amazing work. So we're, we're both in the, in, the, in the same kind of ministry and I, and I appreciate everything that you're doing. Thank you. And for all of the listeners out there, just remember that ignorance is not bliss. It's expensive as hell. I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. See you on the next one.